Previously on Quantum Kickflip. Maybelline Zandros picks herself up. She looks a lot like we know her now, other than uh, a key detail, which is that she's not wearing her her trademark sort of red-orange arborist robe. Out of the corner of your eye, this glowing purple figure is materializing. Sambria, oh, you guys, we got separated somewhere back there, and I, I can't... May, listen to me. Mondo says, you have to give me the dagger. Maeve hesitates, but she can hear voices coming down the corridor, and she doesn't know what else to do, and she hands it over. I'm sorry, May. And she phases away. Uh, Maeve reaches for that same patch again and taps it, illuminating the, the patch on the front of her cloak. It says, Mondo, you can't leave me in here! Since you insist on going off-world, effective immediately, you will now become a variable in the Pinnacle Project. You're welcome. You are now subjected to much more rigorous environmental tests. At the start of each run, I roll a d6. If I roll a one, you start the run with a slam. Has anyone heard from Walden? It's his decision. If he doesn't want in, then... But I really want him back on the team. He is really good. You're you're right, but... He is my friend. He was all our friend, but... I thought he was. I'm just not cut out to slug blast. I don't... You just need to find your stride. I guess another run with the wicks couldn't be bad. We'll plan something really cool. You were lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, and it's dark. Until... it's not. Decembria? Is this... am I dreaming? Listen to me, May. You need to come with me. We need your help to find Mondo. Welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena, I am your host and your Slugmaster, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. Your characters have been in a lot of danger recently, uh, so to lull you into a false sense of security, I guess, <laughs> I want you to tell me about when your character feels the most safe and who they feel the most safe with. Oh, damn. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing, uh, well, uh, I, on this show, I play Walton Wick, <laughs> the chill playbook with the robot companion. Uh, and I think that is who he feels safest with, uh, Walt with his Daibokin companion, Carcinikin or Scampikin or whatever form they may take. Uh, any place he is with them, it's a good old time. Hello, my name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, the heart playbook, uh, who has the hyper optic visor. And I think Trefor uh, feels the safest, uh, really in routine. I, I think that, you know, it, I don't know if he's ever feels in danger. I don't know if he has that perception, but, you know, <laughs> I think when he's helping people out, I think that's probably when he feels safest. He feels safest with Scrubberbot, is what you're saying. Yeah, Scrubberbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sees him every shift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because Scrubberbot has all those like stickers on him and everything. Like, yeah, like no, this, yeah. this is a good robot right here. <laughs> hey, I'm Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She has the Guts playbook, and she has the Gravity Blaster in the form of a gauntlet on her hand. And I don't know if she feels safe while she's doing parkour, but she's certainly <laughs> comfortable. Mm. Uh, it is it is her beat. It is her, her element uh, when she has a, a, a parcel in hand and goes to deliver it, that is, uh, and she knows every inch of Lansdon Tower 
and is getting to know the other towers as well. So that's a that's a nice, comfy time for her. Hello, I'm Liam. I'm playing Helix Pinnacle, the Smarts playbook with the hard light board. Uh, and yeah, it's been a dangerous couple runs. I I peeled back Helix peeled back, which I have never done in the history of this <laughs> podcast. Lake never rolled disaster. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I think Helix feels safest on the streets of Web Tower. I guess the corridors of Web Tower. Um, back at the Pinnacle Project, he's got scientists breathing down his neck, people expecting him to behave a certain way. He's definitely welcome and safe at home with Bach. Um, but yeah, because he is a peak operablin, he is designed to live in this world. And especially as a web native, he's also built to live in web. Uh, and so all the like biometrics and... and uh, uh, on the street technology that we explored a couple episodes ago, he just knows how to like min max it. He's he's got it down to a to a science. So. Nice. Hey, I'm Robin. I play Maybelline Zandros, the grit playbook with the photonic jacket. Uh, I don't think Maeve feels safe very often. I don't feel like that's who she is as a person. Uh, I feel like she's one of those people who's like enters a room and immediately clocks the exit in case shit goes down, kind of thing. Like clocks the various exits or. Just kind of like always has things ready to, to up and go if she needs to. Uh, There's a very good Wonder Years song that I'm thinking of, but I can't think of the title. So it's that. I should add it to her playlist. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, lately, like very recently, uh, with the Arborist, I think there are times when sometimes she's uh, she's got like the early morning shift. I think they all have their like duties around the temple where like they got to tend to the gardens and they got to clean up the thing and they got to organize the orbs, you know, Arborist shit. <laughs> uh, but I think occasionally she gets like an early morning gardening shift where she has to be up before everyone else to just like do that first round of watering and check everything. Uh, and I think when she's just like alone in the Arborist temple, um, I don't know if she'd admit to it, but I think that's where she feels safest. And as I mentioned, my name is Lena. I am your host and your slugmaster. And where I feel safest is right here with my best and funniest friends in the whole world doing a podcast. The nebulous void of podcast space. It's so cozy here, guys. (laughs) It really is. The temperature's nice. It's not sweaty at all. It's not, no, we never sweat here at Quantum Kickflip because we... That's the QK guarantee. <laughs> the QK guarantee. The no sweat guarantee. These are dry podcasts. Super dry. <laughs> I can't stand humidity, which is why podcast space is a good space for me. You were going to say I can't stand humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Anyway, speaking of... Uh, safety and also not that the five of you had a run with Fust and in Null and then you have now um, split uh, to a degree. Wilton Wick is um, taking a hiatus spending a little bit of time with his cousins, the Wicks and meanwhile Maybelline has had an unexpected visitor uh, in the form of a Thenisparshan ghost. What's going on there? What do you need to do next? Let's find out. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Yeah. Trinity Municipal Park on floor 198 was once a lively center of activity. People would come and go from one tower to the next, frequenting the Kindred Mall, Webb University, and Lansdowne event centers without discrimination. Or they would loiter in the park itself, 
sitting on the benches and taking in the plant life, the central fountain, and the open air. Nowadays, Trinity Municipal Park is a husk of what it once was. The benches have been torn up, the plants have dried out and turned to dust, the fountain is gone, and the air has a perpetually sour smell to it, no doubt due to the park's proximity to Operablum's toxic fog. No one is allowed to loiter, or even set foot here, due to strict laws that forbid any travel below, too. In spite of all of this, however, the park is busier than it has been in some time, thanks to the six inhabitants there now. Brinley, Trev4, and Helix. You have met here at Maeve's request, and when you arrived, you found your crewmate with two people you did not recognize. One is Popularian, a short adolescent boy with a nose piercing, feathered brown hair, darting green eyes, and a fanny pack draped diagonally across his chest. The other is a straight up ghost. <laughs> In her indigo haze, you can vaguely make out the features of a Thenespartian with layered shoulder length hair and a medium build. These two are Hanser Gramulon and Decembria Withers, members of Maybelline's former crew. Oh, is this them? Are they here? Yeah, yeah, that looks like, uh, yeah, there's uh, the Brins first as usual. That that looks like Helix and, and hey, there's Trev. Yeah, yeah. Gang's, uh, I mean, gang's all here, I guess. Hello, welcome. I am Decembria. I am a good friend of Maybelline. And this is Hans or Gramulon. Uh, at... Good friend Maeve kind of her eyes uh, lower a little bit, but she doesn't say anything. He- Helix waves hello and tries to croak out a salutations, but as he gets to Shun's, uh, he he belches and like kind of like almost rabid foam comes out a little bit. Where he's like, oh, oh, oh sorry, um, sorry, I've been I've been going through some stuff at home, but it's nice to meet you. <laughs> Shake it off, Helix. Shake it off. And whatever bizarre test Webb had just subjected him to has him burping foam. Do you require medical attention? My no. name is Hanser Gremulon. I'm trained in first aid. I, I I should be fine. Yeah, he's still putting you through the ringer over in Webb? Yes. Vorgel, man. <laughs> it is a pleasure to meet you. And it seems as though one of you lacks a body. Oh, you're talking about me. Yes, that's normal. Trev, you can't just tell people they lack a body. That's, well, it's not inaccurate, but it's impolite. Oh, yes. I see. I see my error right now. Maybelline, it's good to see that you have a body. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you. Maeve, for the first time ever, has the thought, is Trev hitting on me? (laughs) And then is like, how would that even? No, no, that's not what's happening. (laughs) That's a different unit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Bryn, how, how you been doing? I'm, I'm glad to see you were able to make it out. Uh, what, with your dads and all? It was fine. I mean, yeah, they're kind of on my case lately, but they're also, you know, they're big softies, so it's, it's cool. Uh, very nice to meet you, uh, friend and other friend who is trained in first aid. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> so, what's... Run me through this one more time. What exactly is going on with Mondo, and and what is it that you need us for? Well, as I mentioned, we were trying to look for you, Maybelline, and then there was one run in the golden jungle where we got overwhelmed, and Mondo disappeared. It was the strangest thing. We thought that maybe he had peeled back, but when we returned to Thenis Spar, we couldn't find him at all. 
Time passed, and we were worried we wouldn't find you or Mondo again. And then you showed up in Venice Bar. We tried to follow you, but you disappeared into the catacombs where there were a lot of arborists. We've really been trying to avoid the arborists. The arborists don't particularly like us very much for understandable reasons. Yeah, avoiding the arborists is what you two do best, isn't it? You, you can't exactly blame us for this, Maybelline. Yeah, no, you're right. I can't can't blame you for this. Look, <laughs> I am sensing a lot of unspoken tension. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's get it out there. These two uh, and I used to be on a crew with a fourth guy, uh, the aforementioned Mondo. And uh, to say things didn't end great would be a bit of an understatement, but apparently they need our help. And for some vuxen reason that I don't even fully understand, I, I'm hearing them out, so... Look, May, we're so sorry. We didn't we didn't want you to end up in that situation, but there was no choice. It was either you get caught or, well, all of us get caught. And, and this way we were at least able to get the thing. <laughs> you want to try that again or no? No, she's, tr- she's trying to be coy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so does Embrya place coy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> leans into ghosts. Yeah. Ghosts have inherent quest NPC energy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and Maeve kind of thinks back to the run that just happened to them and the position they were put in and the, the decisions they had to make about whether to stick together as a crew or go separate ways and, and finish the run or prioritize the crew and... and Maybe would have been a little more vocal in her opposition here, but is is realizing that she's not, uh, that things can get murky and is like, fine, well, if Mondo's really gone, then sounds like you might need our help after all. So what what's the plan here? What do you want us to do? We need your help to go back to the waking pits. We went there later. We were hoping that we could find you there. We went through the portal. We didn't find you, but we found Mondo. Wait, you you found him already? You've got a you've got a lock on him. Mission accomplished. Great job, everyone. And stickers start coming out. <laughs> he likes high fives. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not that simple. Never is. Mondo is trapped, trapped in a castle, in a vampire's nest. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just the way that you say stuff to say I like, but I've I it's been a while and I've forgotten your your natural cadence and oh boy. What are you talking about? Hanser, do you want to give us the details about this vampire next, please? <laughs> no reason. Well, you don't like it when I give the That's <laughs> fine. No, Listen, you two do what you want. They are far too numerous and powerful for us to. Try to get in, get Mondo and get out. We needed more people. And we saw you and we saw the crew that you were with. When that episode of Stunts came out, we realized you were an operablum and any gestures to your arborist robe. We had all the pieces of the puzzle that we need to finally track you down. Yeah, well, took you long enough. Anyway, what do you say, crew? Uh, I, I have a bit of a personal investment in this, but not that much, if I'm being honest. So I want to hear from all of y'all. Is it... Is this something we want to get mixed up in? Do you trust these people? Ooh, trust is an interesting word for what I feel for these two, but I don't think they're lying to us right now, if that's what you're after. Good enough for me. Indeed. If somebody is in need, we should go help them. I've always wanted to meet a vampire. 
<laughs> if we are going to go on this journey, will I perhaps have some time to make some modifications to my taser bolts? Ooh. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I haven't been on many runs to the waking pits with either crew that I've been on. Um, I, I don't know much about, like, how stuff works. That Like, are, do vampires work like vampires work in... Come to think of it, how do vampires work in, in <laughs> Operate Woman Thetaspar? <laughs> Is the fiction Whatever the same Whatever you want to invent, baby. Okay. We know how they operate in Null. Feel yeah. free to extrapolate from there. Okay. Are there any special precautions or preparations we need to make? Do we need uh, steaks or silver or garlic? What 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 hurt vampire? Uh, Maeve pointedly looks at Hanzer, who I'm gathering is the more... I mean, Maeve has a long history with them, but I, Robin the player, I'm gathering is the more non, no-nonsense of the two. A little bit. A little, a, little, a little wee bit. Yeah. We don't know what hurts vampires. We haven't seen them. We haven't encountered them. Once we saw it was a nest, we left to try to find you. I'm sure more firepower would be preferred, but we also need to move quickly. Mondo could peel back at any moment. And if he does, first of all, we don't want that to happen to him. And secondly, we lose him again. Well, if we're short on time, then uh, I guess the next question is how we get in there. Do you guys have a, a portal zone from Operablum to Waking Pits, or are we going the long way? The way that we know is the way that you took through the catacombs and Thenispar. <sighs> of course it is. The only way we know to get to Thenispar is through Vestige? That's that's a lot of jumps. Well, Prismatia is a pretty central hub. Surely there's a thin zone from Prismatia to the Waking Pits, even if we don't know it yet. I think we have enough tech in the reserves to, to at least attempt wayfinding. Uh, this being a euphemism for a crew style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a fair bit left over. Uh, is everyone cool if I use some crew style to try and open a new portal zone between Prismatia and the Waking Pits? Yeah, I think that's a salient use of that. Yeah, Trev Four starts whipping up his space-time amp meter, try like uh, sen- uh, sensing for a portal out. The numbers start to stream <laughs> down over over the. Can face. you do that from Operable? Yeah. There's like yeah, there's it's a nega friction. <laughs> <laughs> Trev Four really juiced up his space-time amp meter with his nega friction coil. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Robin, if you want to roll this, roll two d six. We will say that Prismatia is A and Waking Pits is B. A six and a three. Uh, a three is one way to A, so that probably wouldn't be very helpful for you. A six is two way, but it's. All right, and then I roll two more. Roll two more. A two and a five. A faction secret or only open sporadically? I mean... A faction secret doesn't help us very much in this instance, so I can't Unless we... you get it, unless you know what faction you want to approach. Oh, we get to choose that? I'm just saying, I feel like there are ways <gasps> that you oh. can get knowledge from certain factions. Yeah, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Helix is helping... Trefor. Uh and he goes, well, I mean, by the looks of it, there's some sort of sporadically opening... Uh, uh, one that, that only seems to open when a certain rainbow in Prismatia reflects against another certain rainbow. I, I, I think it'd be a real pain to try to get it. 
Um, but you, I, that, that's really the only one I'm getting. I don't know that we have any other option un, un, unless... Well, we have connections. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe Shima. <laughs> oh, Vux, I keep forgetting that we're in tight with them now. I, I keep forgetting we're low-key criminals or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, are we talking about Shimmer? Shh. Trev, we... I'm sorry, I adjusted my volume. It, yeah. just, it was low, so I figured that there might be something wrong with my audio. So no, I you're, you're fine. Yeah. Just just average it out there. Um, listen, like I said earlier, with these two, trust is a strong strong word and maybe not one they've earned yet. So we're going to... Decembrian hands are looking at each other uh, shiftily <laughs> as you yell shimmer through your loudspeaker. I mean, you have the most direct connection, Bryn. Do you, uh, you got a way of... Reaching out to Hattie? Oh, yeah. Well, then, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's who we need to talk to. All right, what do you say uh, we all go our separate ways and gear up, and then uh, I'll send out the coordinates when I have them, hopefully, uh, and we'll, we'll meet at the, the Thin Zone to Prismatia. Sound good? Works for me. That works for me. Indeed. Gridge. And, uh... I think Maeve and Bryn kick off towards Lansden Tower. Uh, I've been meaning to uh, visit Kindred Tower. I don't know that I've been. Trev, can I go with you to to stock up on supplies while those two go and get our uh, thin zone figured out? Indeed. I would enjoy some company. All right. So it sounds like we have some gearing up that we need to do to prepare you for this run. Before we do, there's a little thing that I need to get first from Helix. Mm. Can I get you to roll a d6 for me to see how things have been going in the Pinnacle Project? Yeah, uh, last session I, I rolled a Doom that was also Disaster that was also with an asterisk. So if I roll a 1 on this d6, I'm going to take a slam from all the, the, the hell uh, Pinnacle Project has been giving me. That's why he was burping foam earlier. And uh, um, your slam boxes are currently full from yeah. downtime, yeah? Yeah, so, Ooh. but that's fine. I, you know what, I know technically, like, mathematically, there's a one in six chance, but I believe the gods of uh, good storytelling and narration will shine upon us this day. <laughs> oh, boy. They did, and they did with a two. You roll a two, which means you do not take a slam. What this does mean is next run, if you roll a one or a two, you take a slam. Three to six. You're in the clear. And for this run, you are in the clear. Congratulations. In the clear, except for your two full slam except boxes. Except for your two you full slam have. boxes, yeah. <laughs> Brinley and Maeve. The two of you have navigated your way from Trinity Municipal Park on 198 2364. And you are making your way down a moderately nice uh, apartment-style hallway, uh, making your way to go see Hattie. So she just gave you her home address, or that was how I met her, actually. Wild! You just just dropped a package right at her doorstep. Yeah, I think it was Boots. Gridge. <laughs> so what's the deal with um with your other friends? Like, you said you used to be on a crew, but you don't trust them. Like, what's uh what's up with that? Uh, I think Maeve uh, is a little cagey and looks off into the distance, but it's like, well, we're we're going on this run. We need to we need to get at it eventually. And she's like, you know how I am an arborist. 
You know how I live at the temple? Yeah. And you know how that's never really been a thing that I paid a lot of effort into? Or I mean, I'm always running around with you guys. I'm always sneaking out. I'm always in trouble with Tarment. I didn't sign up there by choice. I was, I, you know, that that wasn't my plan for my life. It it kind of was my only option. I used to roll with those other two and and Mondo and we were trying to get out of Thanispar. We were trying to make something out of out of ourselves, put ourselves on the map and and get noticed, but it's it's hard when you don't have any any components, any resources. We were we were just starting out and we we couldn't get our feet under ourselves and what's even worse is anytime we started to gain any ground, the arborists are always right there. I mean, when you're when you're in Thanispar, they're they're always breathing down your neck about how you how you conduct yourselves in the multiverse. We, we could barely get in any runs without them showing up and, and shutting the party down. So when we heard that they had some rare artifact coming in on display at this main temple in, in Thanispar, that this recently recovered arborist dagger that I guess they didn't even know was out there, but someone had, had found a, a temple and turned it up and, and brought it in. And what really hurt is it was another it was another crew. Some some kids from Null find this dagger and and instead of keeping it for themselves or using it for for whatever it's intended for, they they just hand it over to the arborist. They they give it back to it. They didn't even know it was gone. And well, we thought maybe if we could get our hands on it that we could flip it and and make a little money and maybe have enough to get ourselves established really really put ourselves on the map you know but things went sideways and the arborists knew we were coming and everything's a bit of a blur it it all happened fast but uh, suffice to say by the end of it they were all gone and I was left holding the bag I mean not the dagger because I Decembria took it but I was I was the only one that got caught. My options were face the consequences or well that's when I met Carmina and she she gave me a second option of joining up and working off my debt. I think she thinks she can save me or something but I was just happy to have a have a way out that still allowed me to get the Vux out of Thanispar. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and they... What hurts is that they didn't come back for me. They didn't... Not when I was there in the temple. Not when... Not after when I was with the Arborist. Not not when I got to Operablum. This is the first I've heard from them in all this time. And it's to cash in a favor to, to, to get our help with something. And it just... I just never want Gold Star Disaster to, to turn out like, like Mad Method did. I don't think it will. I mean, yeah, we're not fully together right now, but that's also, like, not a leaving someone behind thing. That's more of a person not wanting to do a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm with you all the way, Maeve. I think Maeve goes in for a little hug. Aw. A little... She's good at... She doesn't give a lot of them, but she's good at them. She's got a lot of arms, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think you're at the door. Is there a secret... Shimmer knock? Do we have to... Uh, the door opens and Hattie is there. Oh. 
This is a bit of an unexpected surprise. Yeah, I I would have called ahead, but I don't have your number. So I thought I would just, uh, I remembered your address from when you had the delivery of uh, what I think were boots. Um, We tried asking Arachne for your info and they just uh, started making like a high pitched uh, whistling sound and looking really (laughs) uncomfortable and said they needed to leave. Uh, I think they are really scared of you. (laughs) I'll take it. Anyway, um, hi, hello, how are you? Uh, we are wondering if uh, you or any of your associates have information uh, that would perhaps lead us from Prismatia to the Waking Pits. Prismatia to the Waking Pits? Yeah, we're trying to map a route to help out an old friend of Maeve's, so. Uh, yes, what are you doing in the Waking Pits? I Fighting saw- vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Maeve, like, looks at Bryn a little gobsmacked and then is like, I mean, I guess... It's like, why Why wouldn't we tell her? I don't know. It just it felt very blunt, but then just like, oh, I, I mean, I guess that is what we're doing. Hattie also looks like kind of surprised and mostly bemused and is like trying to figure out how to process this information. And she says, are you sure? Because I feel like vampires in the waking pits. I mean, I don't do what you do, but I've heard that that is pretty much the worst thing you can do. Are you covering for something? Oh, it's just, you know, someone came and asked us a favor, and I've learned that making good on favors is a, is a good way to conduct yourself. Yeah, if anyone should appreciate uh, making good on favors, it's, uh, you know, the company you keep, isn't it? Right. Um, would you like to come in? Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hattie invites you into her apartment, and I think it's like... Pretty small, pretty simple, pretty messy. Uh, And I think she sort of keeps it in such a way that, like, who knows what sort of contraband she has stored here. But, like, it would take people a while to find it um, with other stuff that is around. And it's probably all, like, tucked away and stuff. She's like, okay, let me just make a call. While we're waiting, Maeve is, like, absentmindedly, like tugging on books on bookshelves and trying to find any shimmer secrets, <laughs> trying to open up any <laughs> compartments. Opening up secret passages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She goes and makes this call. She comes back and she says, okay, I have an offer. I will give you the coordinates for a thin zone that will take you from Prismadia to the Waking Pits and back. What I need from you is to bring something back from the vampires. Oh, yeah. They have a way of asserting control, and the source of that is what I want you to get. If you want us to do a good job, you may need to give us a little more information. I wish I had more to give. The Waking Pits vampires are notoriously elusive. What we know about them is they drain slug blasters to the point of peelback. It seems to be some sort of physiological or emotional drain, and that they appear to have some sort of way to assert control over their victims. Fair enough. Well, we'll... I mean, if it's a... I don't know, some magic beans or something, we'll do our best to get our hands on them, but if it's their brains, do you, like, what what exactly are you expecting us to bring back here? Well, hopefully it's not too difficult for you to bring back. Whatever it happens to be. I think Maeve was very skeptical up to this point, uh, but you phrased it like a challenge there, like, hope you can cut it. And immediately she's like, 
Oh, we'll get what you need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll make a special delivery or a full report or both. Perfect. Then let's get you to the waking pits. You are in your apartment, mm-hmm. gearing up mm-hmm. for something that the Wicks have vaguely nebulously told you about. They've told you that you can obviously bring Carcinican with you, um, bring your hoverboard, maybe bring your ray guns for good measure, but you shouldn't need any hazware or breath masks or anything like that. It's That's- pretty easy because most of those things are on my normal person anyway. There you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're you're getting ready. You're in your apartment. The wicks are gonna show up uh, any minute. How's how's Wolf doing right now? I think he's doing okay. Uh, I guess how how long has this been since the 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 last run? Um, definitely enough time that the stunts episode has aired. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's something that Walt would have gone out of his way to see or not. Uh, stunts episodes, as has been previously established, are a little bit tricky to dial into an opera blum, but where there's a will, there's a way. Um, so probably only like a couple weeks. I think Walt had like heard the buzz about the episode, but did not go out of his way to watch it or anything. Mm, that's fair. Uh, so I think, yeah, they're down just like in the, the main sort of like kitchen eating area and there's like a mirror on the wall and Walt is trying to straighten his tie, but somehow it just seems like the different links aren't quite lining up. So he's just like over and over straightening it back and forth while okay. Carcinican sits on the table and click clacks at like a banana or something. He just, he likes poking things. <laughs> just mushing up a banana. Yeah. I, I hate this fruit. <laughs> <laughs> This fruit can go to Calorium for all I care. Get it out of my sight, Walton. <laughs> I love the weird aggression he has towards fruit. Uh, and then there is a knock on your door. Uh, Carcinogen, would you mind grabbing that? Oh, certainly. Hello! Uh, Carcinogen, I guess, sees uh, the three wicks there. Uh, and Wanda is like, oh, um, hi, is, uh, and Wendy goes, is Walton there? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, greetings, the Wicks. Yes, Walton is just inside, finishing up his tie. Walton, your cousins are here. (laughs) Oh, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, good, ready to go? Uh, I think so, um, actually maybe I'll just retie this tie again, I I don't know, does it look okay? It looks... Fine. Are you trying to get it like perfectly straight or something? Well, yeah, no, it just feels like it's like hovering a little to the left. Is it hovering to the left? Uh, uh mate, it, do you want it to hover to the left? Oh my garb, you look fine. Uh, yes, Walton, your appearance is stunning. Uh, and the wicks for, for note are, um, uh, fully decked out. Uh, I feel. <laughs> I feel like the Wicks have, like, casual wear, which is still, like, fancy and goth and very well put together, but it's, like, a little more toned down. Uh, And then they have their, like, uh, more dressed up, uh, a little bit more over the top in their attire, uh, uh, higher... Uh, more inches in the platforms of their boots kind of thing. So they're they're decked out. Right, corsets, but not like whalebone corsets. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys have 
really dressed up. Uh, one second. Walt uh, clicks a little button on the back end of the lowest segment of his tie, and then uh, a black blazer materializes on him as well. <laughs> From the tie? Yeah. Very good. It, it allows you to wear the tie and then dress up or down according to that. Oh, that's very that's very um, handy. Any fancy uh, accoutrements to this blazer? Uh, if I may offer, if uh, <laughs> Wendy just says, one second, and then she like boops something on her phone and then it updates to emblazon uh, a Wix tie pin onto his tie. And then also on the back of the jacket just has the Wix logo. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now you look ready. Oh, well, great. Uh, can I find out where we're going? Well, follow us. Lead the way. Uh, and they do. Uh, so, for this next little bit, uh, I'm kind of uh, got a split-screen vision in my head. Uh, we're going to see a couple of montages. For Gold Star Disaster, it will be getting from Operablum to Prismadia to the Waking Pits to the castle. Uh, you can all describe a moment, including Michael, uh, as you make your way there, and it will culminate in a roll to see how well this trip goes for you. Similarly, Walton, you are going to have a montage in which you ascend to some of the highest floors of Kindred, take an illicit skyway over to Lansden, and navigate closer to the center of Lansden Tower. And similarly, everyone can throw in a beat that happens along the way, and we will also roll to see how it goes for you. Then yeah, I guess to, to kick off this montage, we we all meet back at the Trinity Mist Park where the portal to Prismadia is, at least the one that we know. And now we've got uh, Helix. Maybe asked, did you find a portal from Prismadia to the Waking Pits from our friends at Shimmer? Uh, pretty sure. Uh, I guess we'll find out on the other side. Uh, whoa, you guys look uh, kitted out. What's going on here? Uh, Helix goes, oh, thank you for the reminder. And he, he pulls off a, he was wearing a Scramcat t-shirt over his jumpsuit, uh, <laughs> mostly just to hide the fact that he's what web and kindred. He's not really supposed to be there. He then takes the t-shirt, uh, runs it through his hair to get the blue hair gel out that he had also put in to, to <laughs> blend in. So he like ugh, shakes it all off. Um, what he keeps though is the mirrored shades. He kind of just bought on a whim. Uh, again, part of a kindred disguise, not not anything preparation, but he now has shades with a reflective surface on the front of them. Uh, Trev, uh, when he approaches, uh, he has a bunch of pizza boxes and like with fresh hot pizzas. And uh, he, yes, indeed, I am well prepared to go on this trip and opens up a pizza box, uh, uh, grabs a couple of like these, uh, like the little tiny containers that have like a special garlic sauce mm-hmm. with, that comes with the pizza that for, for your dipping takes one of uh, uh, those from the pizza throws the pizza over his shoulder opens up the next <laughs> box grabs the next thing throws the pizza over his shoulder important can Maeve roll to dive and catch that pizza and eat it before <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, 1d6 that's a 1 <laughs> You just watch pizza it after pizza go. It goes over and into the abyss. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Trav, what do you, that was infinite pizza. That's, oh, oh. Oh, yes. I suppose you would like to eat pizza. I, I had no would use always for it. like to eat. Uh, that's fair. And time's of the essence. Never mind. Indeed. Well, this is the only source of uh, car- garlic in this dimension is in this sauce. So, uh <laughs> We shall use it to our advantage. That's true. We try to grow it at the temple, and we just it's something in the soil. It just won't grow right. It never the the bulbs are really shrimpy. I don't know what it is. 
But then how do they make the sauce? Oh, it's kindred. They get it. They import. Uh. Speaking of import and wasting food, I uh, I didn't buy anything really in preparation for, for vampires. I was just keeping Trev company. But I get this really gross drink. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. I maybe just hold on to it. Uh, does anyone remember in the 90s there was a drink called Orbits? Uh, yes, oh. vividly. Uh, that was like, for, for our listeners who aren't uh, children of the 90s, it was like <laughs> this like soda beverage, carbonated beverage that had little gelatiny balls floating in it kind of like boba or yeah like, a little tapioca but, but, but way teeny. chemicalier and grosser and it was specifically designed to be the same weight as water so they would float yeah i think helix just bought a bottle of something similar from from kindred that has um little bits of dark matter floating in it little bits of carbonation <laughs> yeah. so it's like it's like a it's like a water beverage but it's got little absences it's got it's like like holes in it like holy water <laughs> um, oh. uh, he's, he's just got that with him he didn't think anything of it it's just in his back pocket i don't know you know we'll see if it comes up uh, trev does go around with the like little garlic things and like i puts it onto his two fingers and like puts under your uh, neck, uh, like uh, along your uh, veins and arteries on your neck. Yeah. It's like, there you go. This will protect you. <laughs> anyway, where are we going? Uh, yeah, cut to the next scene in the montage. We're in Prismatia. Uh, let me think for a second. What could we, what, what's a fun thing? Hel- to... Helix points out the two rainbows reflecting into each other and we see very briefly a portal open that we could have taken and then close again. He's like, yeah, I told you we couldn't have made that. Wouldn't work. <laughs> I'm glad we got this other plan. That would have been a pain. <laughs> the camera of our imagination shows uh, an arcing glass, sort of like uh, Mario Galaxy-sized planet, yeah. and we're all walking across it like we're walking across a bridge, but it's just a little planet. It's just our silhouettes set to the background, and the six of us <laughs> it's marching like the, like the Fellowship of the Ring silhouette. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but across this like glass droid. I think there's a moment while we're in Prismadia that like the the natural uh, environment in Prismadia is such that like occasionally toxic uh, or like cosmic rays and and space gases and shards of glass will all align just so uh, and and erupt in just like a spontaneous beam of energy uh, that shoots off. I think this is something we talked about in season one. And uh, I think there's a moment where like we're all walking, skating on one of these glass trails and one of those happens and like Hanser just, you know, like it, it's, it's right at the end of the line of us and we all clear it except Hanser. Uh, it sort of disrupts the path underneath him and he goes to start tumbling off and like Sandra Bullock in gravity style, like fly off into, or George Clooney in gravity <laughs> style, fly off into the abyss. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Maeve reaches out an, an arm and grabs him and, and kind of locks eyes with him for a second, pulls him back onto the path. Uh, and he uh, catches his breath and sort of writes himself, and then he he looks at you again and and just gives you a little nod. So Bryn has the coordinates uh, in her phone, as well as Hattie's phone number, <laughs> um, and I think. She, uh, like, instead of just telling Trev the coordinates, she, like, insists on entering them in through, like, a keyboard. <laughs> like, hardwiring into his brain and just, like, <laughs> T9 typing them in. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is Trev, like, leading, di- as you're, like, inputting, like, R, 
S T. He's going to coordinate R and then S and then T. <laughs> drifting <laughs> yeah. lazily back and forth. <laughs> like, hang on, we gotta go the other way. Oh wait, no, we don't. We're on the right track. Yeah. Also, Canon, like not in all of Operablem, but in Lansden, phones are all T nine. Oh still. baby, oh, yeah. and rotary phones. Don't yeah. you forget it. Beauty. So I, I think uh, as we get closer towards the, uh, the coordinates. Um, Trev 4 is kind of walking in this direction, and all of these kind of uh, glass shards are um, poking out of the ground uh, around us, like uh, at these janky angles and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this beautiful tree that is uh, uh, standing there that's like, uh, it's like smiling and everything. (laughs) Kind of like it can recognize people as they, oh, hello. And like it, that's all I can say. Can't it cannot communicate. It's just hello. Yeah. And a tree made of glass, though, right? Oh yeah. Oh, fully. the psionic wind is like blowing through it in such a way that like that the specific whistle sounds like. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. A million cosmic voices coming together like a weird Imogen Heap song. Like, yes. Hello. <laughs> and the light that's coming through all of this is just like sending a lot of rainbows, and it's very bright, and it's just like, oh, there's this moment of tranquility there. You know, everybody, I am very hopeful for this adventure. It seems like everything is going to be really, really good. Here is the portal, and it pops open right in front of the glass tree. Here we go, and uh, proceed to, to the other side, and immediately get on the other side. The tree is just this horrifying, like, it's uh, like <laughs> blood is coming out of the mouth, yes. and all the glass shards have been replaced by, like, uh, like gravestones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a tree that's growing bones. It's a yeah. tree made of bones. It's yeah. a the skeleton tree, tree. The bones of the tree, yes. yeah. And, and the tree is talking on the other side, but it's saying, die! And, <laughs> Again, yeah, the way the wind is howling through. through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like a weird Slayer song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think once the group uh, passes through into the waking pits, Decembria and uh, Han sort of take the lead because they had seen this vampire nest before and they lead you through this long winding path in the midst of an old gray forest. The filtered light of the moon shines down among the dead boughs uh, and then you, it opens up onto a vast expanse where you see a one lonely mountaintop where it almost looks like the castle is growing right out of the rock of the mountain itself and lightning flashes and lights it up at the top of this rickety old path. Let's get a roll. And this is a team roll that we can all contribute to and, and use crew resources towards? Yes. Cool. Uh, how many dice do we want to roll, gang? <laughs> well, I will add in a, a turbo. F- uh, like a D6? A D6. Yeah. As I'm utilizing the uh, hyperoptic visor to like look for threats. Uh, I'll toss in a D6 from my attitude. Uh, just the... Getting the job done, uh, honoring her commitment here, but but trying to just keep keep focused and uh, get in, get out, get it done. Uh, I'll add a kick from my attitude, uh, just where he, Helix is maybe kind of just checking our peripheries, like he's watching our six. Yeah. Uh, just to make sure nothing, no, you know. No creepy crawly sneak no up. No creepy crawly our... sneak up our behind side. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I add a kick. Use a crew die. Yeah. Top of a run. Fullest it'll be. Rolling with 46. Uh-huh. And cool. a kick. And a kick. We got a six. Yay! Yeah! 
All right. There are hang looses everywhere. In <laughs> everywhere, right everywhere. Never heard a looser group of podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so your trip goes quite flawlessly. Uh, you were able to expertly navigate your way to the waking pits. Uh, you had those coordinates on lock already, but now you have the muscle memory of getting there. Uh, and uh, with Helix's uh, uh, sharp perception, uh, there are no threats uh, that get the best of you. I Every- can see in four colors, you know. You can. <laughs> so you do I see. It's been so long since you've mentioned that. <laughs> 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 it's been it's been a long time for the listeners. It's been a week for Brinley. It still somehow comes up all the time. <laughs> uh, Gold Star Disaster, everyone, please. Mark one style. Nice. And you know what? There was a kick on this roll. So what I think I will say is this montage sort of covered Prismatia and the Waking Pits getting you to the castle. So I think as you arrive at the castle, you are undetected. Whatever your next move is going to be, you're in no danger of being seen or caught by the vampires at this time. There's not a giant, semi-translucent Gary Oldman in the sky watching us, being like, "Hmm, good." There is, like, but he's not a part into of my it. Spider web. Okay. Yeah, he's the next castle related. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. just here for like the vibe, but isn't actually a part of this vampire there's nest. A for- there's a fork in the road and he thought you were going to come to his castle, but we go to <laughs> Oh. Well, I might as well see how this plays out. <laughs> Hello there, Gold Star listeners. It's Milena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you're enjoying this episode, please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice, and please tell a friend about us. We're always so excited when we get new listeners to Quantum Kickflip. You can support us by following us at Quantum Kickflip on social media, where we post new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support us by subscribing to Quantum Kickflip on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you can join our Shredder tier and get access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip two days early. Or, for just $5 a month, you can join our Ultranaut tier and get early access plus exclusive bonus content. We took a bit of a break over the summer, we're back now, but over the course of that break, we've continued to update our Patreon with all sorts of cool stuff, such as loopable tracks of Robin's music that you can use in your own tabletop games, or just other cool, weird stuff. There's a video up there of Robin, Dave, and Liam eating peanut butter, pickle, and mayonnaise sandwiches because Robin referenced it in a QK opening one time. So if you want to see what that's all about, head to patreon.com slash quantum kickflip and subscribe today. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can learn more at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next chapter of this Waking Pits run on Wednesday, September 27th. Let's get you back to the action! Right now, Woolton. Uh, once again, this montage is taking Woolton and the Wicks to higher floors of Kindred, through an illicit skyway, and deeper into Lanston Tower. What sort of things does he encounter? 
I guess the first leg of the journey is just the four wicks and Carcinican all getting into a big fancy hyperlift. And this happens to be one on the sort of interior facing side. And as they're going up, you can see the lights from the two other towers reflecting off the fog down below. And Carcinican uh, is up on uh, sort of hanging off Wolf's shoulder on his back, looking out and going, ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. As they exit the hyperlift and head out into the skyway, uh, we get to see, because we've only ever seen the lower floor skyways of Kindred, where they had like a cardboard standee of their uh, official Kindred mascot, the mayor, who welcomes you to Kindred Tower. Yeah. Um, but I think here we get to see like, we're up on a higher floor, so it's like a fully decked out like hard light projection uh, that has like, you know, does different discreet greetings for each person that walks by and has little like emotes that he does when, when like in between when there's not a lot of people passing, he'll like like Sonic the Hedgehog tapping his foot kind of thing. Like he'll like do a little dance or like <laughs> pretend to fall asleep and, and like like nod off a little and startle himself back awake and stuff. Stretch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus. Yeah, and floss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still relevant in, in, in opera implement. Oh it's, yeah, trendy yeah. dances all the way. This mayor's doing all the TikTok dances. It's, it's twenty years ahead of its time. Like. It is. Oh yeah, it's true. We're in an alternate timeline. Mega friction advanced flossing <laughs> technology. Um, I think before they exit the skyway, there's some there's a, a kid on a bicycle who has a Daibo vice, and it's like cyclist Frax wants to battle <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh Wolt gets a quick Daibokin battle it's like I made eye contact with him I have to <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry this is the rules how it works sorry I, it'll just take a moment he's probably at like a level 2 uh, it'll be fine it'll be fine it is a very quick uh, Daibokin battle you, you cream this kid <laughs> <laughs> he pays me 5 bucks <laughs> yep yep and then you carry on your merry way the hard light of the mayor high fives you <laughs> showed that kid <laughs> I didn't want to endow him with a voice and I'm glad I didn't because now it can be that yeah, I love it watch me floss <laughs> you broke Robin as you pass into lands in itself you're uh, initially greeted on the other side with this like distinct smell of like oil and gasoline very distinctly as you're watching you know, a couple of workers uh, working on like cleaning some old oil, and uh, so they have like a little scrubby thing where you like a washboard, but they're just taking oil and washing the oil on the on the board, <laughs> like it's putting it to the filter, and so like they're taking an oily rag and like trying to like soak up the oil, squeeze it out into. <laughs> no, the, they're not washing the rag; like, they're washing the oil. oil. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> by hand. Yeah. <laughs> And just like Alberta, oil in Lansdowne is an extremely lucrative industry, which is why these guys are on the highest nice floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bird covered in it, and they're like, we gotta get that oil off that bird. <laughs> we can use that right now. Perfectly good oil wasted and on that bird. throws the bird over their shoulder. Like a yeah. pizza. We need to clean the bird off that oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's just at one point they need to get from one catwalk to another, and they need to jump down onto a conveyor belt that runs perpendicular between the two of them, <laughs> wide and nondescript, like giant, you know, uh, uh, one of those like shipping container things you can get for your front yard when you're renovating. Yeah, I guess maybe that big, and the four of them just sort of, or three of them, four, four of them just sort of ride it for a ways, and then get onto another catwalk and keep going. Yeah. <laughs> 
And as you approach the mystery destination, Woolton, let's get a roll. Uh, the chill rolls with 2d6. Okay. Ooh, that's a two and a one, baby. A two and a one, hey? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. We're the opposite of hang loose. We're, we're tight. So tight. So this isn't going to, like, impact necessarily. Like, I want you to get where you're going. You know what I mean? It's not, you, you don't get to go on a run anymore. That's not what I'm going to do to you. <laughs> um, but I do think that I need to give you a slam right okay. off the hop. Um, and I think the slam is going to be, I think it's like an, um, Mm. authority in trouble kind of slam. You know what I mean? Under surveillance kind of thing or like, uh, okay. This, this might be a little, a little bit silly. Um, but the kid that you Daibo Kim battled, uh, was quite upset that he lost and, uh, uh, told his parents and they're cops. (laughs) (laughs) So now Kindred knows that there are, uh, that there are Kindred people who are, uh, in Lansdon who are unauthorized. Mm. Uh, so in Kindred, uh, you are tattled. (laughs) You've been tattled on, and that's your slam? Tattled slam is very good. Damn. I'm glad, because I almost had a moment of like, is this dumb? (laughs) Never. get stitches. (laughs) Important question. Are the kids' parents just like generic law enforcement of some kind, or are they sword sliders? Oh! (laughs) Set that up and pay it off later. We'll find out at Walt's disaster roll, I'm sure. (laughs) So, Walton... You have been making your way through Lansdon Tower in some of the uppermost floors. And at first you think you're making up the feeling of vertigo that you have, because, like, you know, these towers are enormous. Not every hallway and corridor and room is going to have a window leading to the outside, so surely you think that you're making up, feeling kind of woozy due to how high you are. And then you realize that you think you're actually maybe feeling the tower swaying ever so slightly in the wind. That's wild. Yeah. Um, The wicks have been, like, kind of taking you through some, like, back hallways and stuff. Areas where it really feels like you're not supposed to be there. I mean, you're not supposed to be in Lansdon Tower, but, like, you're also not supposed to be in this back hallway and high catwalk of Lansdon Tower. You know what I mean? Mm. (laughs) Um, And you find yourself in a wide room with a really, really low ceiling. And as you're making your way through this room, Wanda starts stomping on the floor, which is like a steel floor. Um, until one pings a little bit differently than the other ones, and she uh, taps it even harder and uh, uh, more rapidly, more frequently. Uh, And then she steps back, and then it cracks open uh, up towards you, and you see these shaded eyes of an operable in face looking up and saying, What are you here for? And Wanda says, we're here to drop. And the door closes, and then it opens up all the way. Uh, and the person sort of cu- climbs down, like, kind of the ladder that they were on. And Wanda goes to go down, and she's like, watch your step when you get to the bottom. Is this drugs? 
Are we doing drugs? <laughs> uh, so, you, so you make your way down and uh, you realize very quickly why Wanda warned you to watch your step because you're stepping onto a narrow catwalk. Mm. On one side of you, there is a huge circular chamber. This is entirely lined with windows. And inside you can see flashing lights. You see people dancing. Uh, hoverboarding. You can hear the bassy thud of the music on the other side of the glass. On the opposite side of that, on your other side, is fully open air. And as you look down, this colorful mash of lights is underneath you, and you realize that the side of this building is lit in multicolored lights. And it takes a moment from your vantage point to realize where you are, you're on some kind of observation tower that when Lansden as a building got taller and taller, presumably they kind of just built around it and enclosed it. And as you look up to see the ceiling that you came in, you see the very, very top peak of this tower and arranged in sort of a triangle formation so you can read it at any angle are three numbers. Seven, seven, seven. And Wanda says, "Welcome to the drop. Let's uh, let's get situated, and then we're gonna have some fun." All right. Uh, they they lead you uh, uh, carefully along the circular catwalk, and eventually you do get to a door that actually takes you into the chamber. And as soon as the door opens, the music just like blasts uh, <laughs> because uh, turns out the the glass of these windows was very secure. Um, and yeah, immediately you sort of find yourself like in a like club situation full of people that you don't really recognize but also you do put together that they all appear to be kindred uh they're they're all pretty fashionable and quite a few of them are leaning into the goth aesthetic uh not everyone at this party um but you know more than just the wicks which (laughs) might be what you're more used to uh, there's a bar to one side, there's a dance floor to, to one side, uh, and almost immediately, the wicks disappear. Uh, <laughs> you see Whitney, like, eyeing someone at the bar, and then Wendy goes up to that person and is like, My sister thinks they're cute! <laughs> and is immediately wingmanning for her sister. Uh, Wanda is on the dance floor and, like, dancing and, and chatting with folks. What do you do? I think Walt sort of starts off almost like, Alright, so are we here for a... Oh! Oh, you're gone. Okay. Um. Well, I guess I'll, uh. Get a lay of the land. Uh, and, uh, I think he does head toward the bar as, as a starting place. Uh, I think as you, uh, go to the bar. Are, are you are you trying to order libations? <laughs> yeah, we'll to get a drink. Is there, like, a sign for specials? Is there, like. Ooh. Does anyone at the bar have anything that looks interesting? Uh, I feel like a lot of, like,. It's all, like, bootleg stuff. Uh, And so probably a lot of it is, like, your classic uh, 18-year-old alcohol, uh, your sourpuss, your baby duck, like, the the overly sugary kind of thing that you need to mix with, like, just water? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not. They're mixing it with equally sugary non-alcoholic drinks or even also alcoholic drinks. Uh, You get a sourpuss cider mix. Oh, God. Uh, But I also think that they have like um, 
I'm trying to think of like a cool cosmic kind of drink. Uh, they have one that they serve to you in like a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to like put put your straw in it like bubble tea and then drink it from the bubble. Does the they bubble They call it shrink? bubble tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just heard about this really cool new beverage that has bits of dark matter floating in it. I was oh, going to say, yeah. they've they got have, the holy they water. They have holy water. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, can I get a cyber gin and holy water? Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, coming right up. Uh, thanks. Uh, and I think someone comes up to you. Uh, she is one of those people that has, like, a bit of a goth aesthetic, kind of like black and white color palette. Uh, she's got really, really long nails, um, uh, a side pony, and more makeup than Whitney. Uh, and she says, uh, she's also chewing gum. <laughs> Uh, which I will uh, uh, emulate minimally uh, for this podcast. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been there. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Mouth sounds bad. Um, but she's like, hey, I don't think I've seen you here before. Uh, makes sense. This is my first time. What? Really? Yeah, I'm not, uh, well, not accustomed to dropping. Is that what it is? Oh, my God. You're going to do the drop? Oh, I thought being here was the drop. Yeah, this is the drop, but then there's also the drop, you know? <laughs> so wait, you, you drop inside the drop? Yeah. Or kind of outside the drop. But oh. also kind of in the drop. Like, it's right over there. And she, like, points out the door. Oh, in, like, the, the open... Well, I guess maybe I'm here to drop then. Whoa, that's so cool. Uh, I'm Walt. How are you? I'm Osafia. Nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you. Walton, are you, like, a wick or something? Yeah. What? Oh my uh, god, I was joking. Stop. Oh, well, I wasn't joking. It's who I am. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Is it? I, it's all that I know. That is so cool. Are you here to drop? Or? Oh god, no. I don't want to die. <laughs> oh. I'm like from Operable, so like I wouldn't peel back. But like, if you're going to do it, that's really cool. Oh, well, I... Maybe I'll see what the rest of the crew is up to, and maybe we'll drop. I don't know. That that is really that is really cool. Yeah, I don't really go for like the 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 um. Uh, I guess I would put it as like the things that would kill you, uh, but I do tend to follow anything that the Wicks do because they just like they really throw one hell of a party. Don't you agree? Wait, are they throwing this? Yeah. Wait, we're we're throwing this. Yeah. No one told me I was hosting anything. Uh, oh. Uh. Well, if it helps, you're, like, doing a really good job. And she, like, starts twisting her ponytail up in a really long fingernail. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, well, what usually happens at these wick parties? Is, is there some sort of... Are there any duties I need to attend to? I don't know. Like, there's drinks, so that's good. Right. Drinks. On it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you you get your, you get your party on. Uh, how, how's Walt feeling, uh, schmoozing and, and hanging out in this place? Uh, I think as time goes by, he sort of settles into it. Uh, he, like, wasn't sure if his cousins bringing him along was, like, to do a thing, if this was supposed to be, like, a run, or if it was just hanging out. But, like, it seems to be becoming more of the latter, and he's, he's sort of getting in with that. Nice. And I think, uh, the Wicks definitely don't make a point of, like, hanging around you all the time they do like check in with you occasionally and like uh 
have a quick chat and then like immediately go off and do another thing very much the way that like people just like passingly mingle at parties kind of vibe um you do learn because uh, i i did name this tower and i want to share it um but you do learn through like ch chatting with some folks that no the place isn't called the drop it's just what everyone calls it uh it used to be called the septenary spire Thanks. Uh, and and the, the kindred people that you're talking to are like, yeah, like, I guess it was like a big deal for Lansden. It was their way to try to be like taller than the other towers as if they could ever be taller than kindred for very long, right? Kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely a, a place that once used to stand at the very top of Lansden Tower. And presumably from where you are now, you could look out and see Operablum. But now when you look out, you see walls closing in around the tower in a triangle. And then later on, you hear, uh, close to the doors. Hey, Walt! It's time to do the drop! classic castle. The kind that maybe you've seen in null architecture appreciation books, or the kind that is theorized to be the first operable in structures, forming the single-digit floors of the towers. Possibly some of the more ostentatious buildings in Thenispar? You know the ones. Solid structure, made of stone, rounded off spires to prevent weak points, narrow windows, generally symmetrical, and always an impenetrable fortress. This castle is like if you took a classic castle and fucked up each aspect of it in a very specific way. <laughs> in some places, it's rock solid in that the rocks literally come up to form a wall of the castle, but in some places, it's crumbling apart. There are spires, but they're all different sizes and placed with no apparent rhyme or reason, in the middle of the wall, at various heights, and sometimes clustered together. There are windows, but as you look at them, you swear you see them close off and reform in other places. Symmetry is bullshit here. As for whether it's an impenetrable fortress, you're about to find out. All right, well, that uh, that honestly went better than expected, gang. We, we made it here in one piece. We, we found the thin zone. We even found the castle from the look of things, and it doesn't look like we've raised any alarms, so... I guess, how do we want to play this? Decembria, Hanser, what what do you know about these vampires that that are nesting here? What's what's our play? Well, uh, the vampires that we've seen are quite tall and very fast and somewhat alluring. They have a way of... And then, Maeve, you don't catch the rest of what Decembria says because you're distracted by a telepathic image of two hands, two right hands, waving. Oh. Maeve, you have a Link Patch duo, yeah? Yeah, sure do. That's been in my other gear since the very first session, and I've never had a chance to use it, because the whole nature of it is that it's, it's two patches 
that can communicate directly with one another in the same plane. Uh, and I've only had one half. The other half belongs to uh, Mondo. From the book. Sew one onto your jacket and give the other to a friend. Arcane energy entangles your quanta, allowing you to swap places within the same universe and communicate telepathically. Emoji only. If one of you peels back, the other does too, and removing either patch hurts you both. Set of two. For the longest time, your link patch duo has been inactive. Yeah. And now, you're getting a message. Ooh. I will say that if you want, you can communicate your thoughts and words as intended. It will reach the other end as emoji, and you can only hear <laughs> what process, uh, uh, you can only receive yeah. emoji and must interpret from there. No, I think, uh, like, yeah, Maeve hasn't used this patch in a long time, um, but but back when she was on the crew with uh, with Mondo and the others, was pretty, pretty uh, handy with this thing. I think she sends... Like a an emoji of is there an emoji of pointy teeth? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> this is the problem is we're all in our thirties and don't know what emojis <laughs> exist. The, the first one you received though was double hands waving. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. emojis can be whatever you want them to be. Okay. Yeah, instead uh, of the one hand waving, it was two because that is Spartan emojis. Of course, yes. Of course, of course. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. so uh, pointy teeth? Question mark? Exclamation mark. Two thumbs down. About to vomit emoji. <laughs> <laughs> this is riveting podcast. Uh, emoji of a map. Uh, and then a shrug emoji. <laughs> As if to be like, where? Uh, ball of yarn. Smoke cloud. Uh, and then you get emoji of a person. Mm-hmm. Arrow pointing right. Mm-hmm. Arrow pointing left. Emoji of a person. Question mark. Oh. Maeve turns to the rest of the party and is like, so this is probably going to take too long to explain, but uh, I have the opportunity to find where Mondo is. And in order to do that, all I have to do is swap places with him. <laughs> Uh, and she kind of opens up her coat and reveals she's she's sewn this patch onto the inside liner. It used to be, you know, proudly emblazoned on the outside when she was part of the crew, but has since sewn it to the inside of her arborist robes uh, where only she can see it. Just in case, you know, eventually one of her former crew members wanted to, well, I guess it would have to be Mondo specifically, wanted to reach out, try and check up on her and operate them. And she was, you know, holding out some hope that maybe one day she would receive a, a signal. Uh, but until this moment has remained inactive... Uh, she she flashes this patch and says uh, it's it's a, it's a link patch. Um, we can we can now that we're in the same plane, we can swap. But I don't know what I'd be walking into if I remember you telling us about your relationship to this crew. This was the individual who left you holding the bag, quite literally. Yeah, Mondo and I started the whole thing back back before we'd even met Hans or Decembria. It was it was. Just the two of us. It, it had always been just the two of us. We we started Mad Method together. We we found these two. We we started going on runs. And last time I talked to him was, well, me screaming his name and him not saying anything back over the over the signal. 
I wouldn't trust it. There's there's no way to know that he you wouldn't just be plopping yourself into the heart of a vampire nest. This guy gets to the safety of the outside of the castle, and then they all scram. Well, Brindley and Trev and I have to go save you from a nest of vampires. No, we'll. I think we can find our own way as a group, as Gold Star Disaster and Company, into this castle. You may have started to think about, like, well, maybe if we set an elaborate trap or, like, we put me in a cage and then we swap places so now <laughs> he's in the cage and so you, he has to help. And this, But as you are talking about, like, now we do this together as a crew, she's like, oh, that, no, that makes sense. We don't, <laughs> we're not going to build a cage out of twigs. We should probably just do this as a crew. <laughs> uh, I am looking at this uh, badge that you have. Yeah. And what I'm hoping to do... I didn't describe it as, as two, uh, I've described it in a previous episode, two M's on top of one another, like, overlaid. Yeah. I want to take my Realmware lens, I want to, like, look at it, see that there's an energy field that surrounds this, and yeah. note the markings of it, and then I want to then try to locate a similar source somewhere, like, try to pinpoint it, if it's in this yeah. place. Uh, and that would be my role. Uh, okay. My role will be on whatever the weakest point in a wall is, whether it's a locked door or cracked castle wall. Just just give me the weakest wall and I will make us an entrance. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like it is prudent to say for the record that uh, uh, Hans and Decembria look a little offended at Helix just like outright bad-mouthing them. And Decembria uh, will actually look at you, Maeve, and say, May, I want you to know that we're all in this together. We we really did try to look for you, and and we're hoping that once we get Mondo... I, I mean, you have things going on here, but we could be a crew again. We're not going to abandon you again, May. It's Maeve now, Decembria. Let's get a roll from Trev 4. I think to get this to work just because of how specific the energy field is it's a pretty tricky maneuver Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna ask for one kick one kick you got it since this is important for us to do uh i'm going to use a a dice from uh uh, attitude and a die from turbo okay Uh, i got a five here's what i think i'll say you are able to, with the ingenuity of your Realmware lens and the kick that you've added to this role, you are able to pinpoint the matching energy signature within the castle. Mm-hmm. I think what I'll say is it's quite centralized and quite deep. Mondo is particularly difficult to get to, and that's the complication of the role. Okay. It seems as though... The signal that matches your patch is deep within the castle, and point. I'm p- pointing at it, but straight you know, line, yeah, yeah, yeah. straight line towards does. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it looks like we're gonna have to breach the perimeter. Then, anyone got any bright ideas? Yes, I believe I have a method to breach the perimeter. In fact, I'm quite excited. I haven't really had a reason to try the photon exciter we unlocked when we found those coils in Vestige. Uh, so I'm going to use uh, a D6 a, a turbo from my hard light board. 
and then do the photon exciter, which is a uh, roll to damage things you grind, slide, ollie over, just smack with your board. Um, Helix sort of like looks along the wall, finds a weak point. Is there a door? Or is it all kind of just wall? Ooh, it's all wall. Great. Then he finds a point that kind of has like a crack in the middle of it. There are definitely cracks. There are corners too, which castles try to avoid, but not this one. Sweet. Uh, yeah, just one of the weaker points. Everybody, everybody, back up. Uh, actually, uh, Brinley, would you would you stream this? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a trick. Check it. Yeah. Uh, he's going to run uh, parallel to the wall. Start running alongside it, uh, or skating alongside it. Uh, ollie up and do a wall ride, and he's just gonna wall ride along the weak point. Um, but he's gonna do a little 360 spin as he comes off. That's the trick. Uh, and he's gonna like smack the the weak spot with the back of his board and try to just blast it open with the photon exciter. Sick. Let's get that roll. Two d six. Yeah. Two. Two, you fail and there's a problem and the problem is worse. Hey, look at my <laughs> style. Okay. <laughs> nah, fam, nah. Uh, I think what happens here is your attempt to breach the perimeter of this castle uh, to the residents inside just sounds like you knocking on the door. We, we quote had, unquote door. We, we had the opportunity to go undetected and I blew it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Basically, the advantage is now decidedly not in your favor. Uh, and in fact, a door does reappear. There is a classic winding stone trail that like leads up to what was an empty wall of the castle um, that then opens uh, like the stones sort of part like curtains and now it's just an opening. Uh, and walking through, it it takes a moment to register what happens, and then it feels like it changes on you. Mm-hmm. You th- see these tall, bipedal shapes kind of stroll out, and it's hard to make out their form or their coloring. They seem pale and almost like they're they're moving in a disjointed manner. Uh, And then they all whip their heads towards you and see you, and abruptly, all of them look different. They look now (laughs) more humanoid, um, sort of in the vein of um, uh, Operablin, or uh, perhaps some Thenisparsian. And, like, they look each of them, I'm going to say there's four, they each look familiar to the four of you, but like in a way you can't quite place. Almost as if someone gave you a police drawing of like five different people that you know. Um, Excellent. It seems like the managers are here. I will engage. And I start walking up like uh, uh, confidently towards them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Maeve has a moment where she wants to stop you and then is like, I guess if anyone's going to make contact with the vampires, the robot is probably the one to do it. And it's like, yeah, right. Uh, let's let's see how this plays out. <laughs> this might be an opportunity for the rest of you to either like do something using this as a distraction to either get closer That's true, or do yeah. something too. That is true. 
Because I'm... I, I assume that they're a little ways up, right? Like, Yeah, and you're just like going to meet them directly? Yeah, so yeah. If there's Sweet. other things that other people want to do or stop me to do from doing. <laughs> I think Maeve's going to watch how this plays out and then kind of look to Bryn and Helix like, we ready to we ready to make a move if we need to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think Decembria and Hans are uh, immediately hackles up as soon as this door opened and, and yeah. the, these creatures came through. They both brace themselves like they're going to run. They see that Trev 4 is brazenly approaching and that the three of you are standing your ground. Uh, and Hans says, Maeve, Maeveline, what do we do? You you've encountered them more recently than we have, but uh, we're we're just sort of winging it at this point. I, I mean, they can't feed off a of Trev, right? Uh, presumably not. I mean, I don't think so. Well, then he can approach and see how they react, and worst case, we'll uh, we'll make a run for it. Trev can take care of himself. He'll he'll buy us some time. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. We trust you. So as I'm getting closer, you're you're saying that they they look like people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people with like their proportions slightly off. Okay. They kind of have like everything just seems a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. They have longer legs, longer torsos. All of them have their arms crossed across their chests, uh, and but like same same size head, which is makes it look makes them look smaller. <laughs> gotcha. Trevor approaches them. Greetings. I am Trev Four. It seems as uh, though you work here at this lovely uh, establishment. I was hoping to have some help to find a friend. I was hoping that you could lead me there so that we can uh, rescue m- my friend from the vampires. Oh, I'm sure that you are aware of the vampires and how you need to be safe from them. So it seems wise that I should uh, get your help. They're all... Um like slowly turning to look at each other <laughs> and then they all turn to look back at you I'm noticing that your heart rate is very very slow <laughs> are you okay perhaps you need to have some food uh they all <laughs> slowly nod <laughs> well excellent uh all I have is this little packet right here. Uh, the <laughs> the one at the front, whose skin is like kind of that like medium, almost like a coppery brown hue, but also there's like patches of what almost looks like green in it, uh, extends one arm kind of like in a choppy sort of motion, and then extends out towards the group that is watching you, Gold Star Disaster uh, and Mad Method, and points with a long bony finger. Oh, I do not believe that they have any food with them. However, uh, I think this is your place. We should probably get you food from inside. <laughs> and then it like, uh, it was pointing with like kind of palm facing down, uh, but then it like rotates its wrist so that the palm is facing up and then curls its finger in like a beckoning motion. <laughs> And then Trev Four's like intuition centers are starting to pick everything up, and they they say, "Excuse me, you are not 
humans or operables at all. You're vampires, aren't you? Hmm. I see what I have to do. And just like, just throat chops, just get right to the first. <laughs> Roll. <laughs> hey, get! Uh, I'm going to uh, use another d6 for my attitude. Uh, I'm going to use a kick uh, from my uh, heavy dirt duty servos. And that's a three. Oh, a no. three. Three is a failure. I yeah. think as soon as you throat chop one of them, <laughs> your your hand connects where you think the throat is, and it's a lot harder than you think it should be. You're used to uh, uh, fleshy throats of operablins. Yeah. Um, and uh, so fast, it grabs your arm, and uh, Gold Star Disaster... Uh, you see these four creatures rapidly making their way back towards the castle with Trev Four in tow. Walt, you have been having a lovely time partying it up in the uh, Septenary Spire, also known as the Drop, and you have been summoned by your cousins to go out to the uh, outer walkway. Uh, you step out onto this this catwalk that just has no rails whatsoever, and, and maybe you look around and you do clock behind you and above you, there's like a rail that presumably you could like clip a harness into, uh, so that tourists don't, like, just go out and immediately plummet to their deaths. <laughs> um, harness is long gone. Crowds have started to gather, both still inside, looking out through the glass. Uh, but there are some brave souls who do venture out onto the catwalk. Uh, some stay back towards the building. Others venture a little bit closer to the edge. Uh, and there is excitement in the air. Uh, I think Wanda's like, okay. We ready? Uh, ready to drop? We'll show you, and then you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But, yeah, ready to drop. Uh, you, you three take the lead, and I'll see how it's going. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the deal is, there's about nine seconds between where we're standing right now and the ground down there. The more seconds you can free fall, the better. Okay. Uh, and they each sort of line up. And I think what I'm going to do is one at a time, each of the wicks is going to drop off this edge <laughs> and see how far they can fall. Wanda goes first. She steps forward turns around, uh, raises up both her hands, and everyone starts cheering and losing, her, losing their minds. Uh, and then she nesty plunges, <laughs> falls backwards, and everyone starts counting. One, two, three. <laughs> One, two. And everyone, like, the two doesn't even get out. Um, 
because uh, almost immediately you see underneath you this uh, light burst as out of Wanda's photonic jacket, these big butterfly wings emerge. And she comes back up to the edge and she says, okay, okay, no, I need a do-over. I need a do-over. I think I hit something in the scaffolding. I was I was spinning. I couldn't. And Wendy's like, you don't get a do-over. And she, <laughs> Wendy runs and leaps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ah! And they all cheer. Uh, as you see uh, a flash of light. And, and what ended up happening uh, when Wendy makes her way back up uh, is that she used her reality cannon to basically change the way that she was interacting with gravity in that she sort of floated down more like a feather, basically <laughs> changed her terminal velocity to be way lower than uh, death velocity. <laughs> <laughs> so for the last three, but it's actually a lot longer seconds. Yeah. She sort of floats harmlessly to the ground, much like a feather fall kind of ability. Yeah. Yeah, she falls at light speed in that she's lighter and so falls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Whitney looks down and Whitney looks at you and then she just like steps off. One, two, three. Oh, and like... Uh, Whitney uses her gravity beam to uh, latch on to a rafter uh, and swing back up. She actually uh, sort of Spider-Man swings her way back (laughs) up to the top, uh, whereas Wendy had to, like, land on the floor and then go back in through the tower and go back up. Uh, And Wanda says, well, if I'm not getting a do-over, and everyone goes, boo, she's (laughs) like, I guess it's your turn, Waltz. All right. Hey, Garzinigan? Yes, Walton. Uh, would you mind climbing up on my back here? Absolutely. Backpack formation? Uh, yeah, backpack formation, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I've got a plan. You You think you know what I'm thinking? I believe I might. <laughs> uh, and with that, Walt is uh, going to look back at the crowd that is gathered up here at the top, give a light little sort of salute wave, uh, and then backwards step off this platform. <laughs> Uh, everyone cheers, and you start to hear the count rapidly getting quieter and quieter. One, two, three. What's your plan? Uh, yeah, Walt is going to fall, and fall as close as he can to the ground before uh, he gets Karsinikin to activate the inertial vortex. Roll to subtract momentum from a room-sized area around you. Ooh. So, fall... Pretty much all the way down, and then last second, activate a thing to slow all momentum, and then he can just lightly sort of step onto the ground. (laughs) Okay. Here's what I will say. I am going to give you a progress track of drop. If you mark all four, you hit nine seconds. Complications or failures result in him bailing? Uh, Or potentially, I mean, you're falling really fast. This this isn't perfectly safe. <laughs> you may pick up a slam or something like that. Chill rolls with 2d6. Uh, from the robot companion, I am going to add 3d6 and 3 kick. Because I need to get 4, huh? <laughs> uh, yes, 4 marks on the track. Okay. So you're maxing out your boost and kick from your... Maxing out your turbo from your robot companion. Because, yeah, I think then this... the If all goes well, because I'm throwing a lot of kick to it to make it happen, I think the thought is... 
last second, Inertial Vortex slows right down, then kick in mobility boosters from Robot Companion, shoot all the way back up to the platform. Oh, sick. That sounds like a trick to me. Oh, that sure <laughs> does, baby. But but he hasn't said check it, so we don't know. I also want to take a dare mark of trouble to get a, a sixth D6. <laughs> uh, yes. And yeah, as, as was stated, there's not really a way to do this without it being a trick, so check it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Um, I got... A five. A five was your highest. Also got uh, two, technically two fives and two ones. So two sets of doubles. That's a bunch of style for the chill. Ooh, that is si- uh, that is three style immediately. <laughs> and you already had three banked from last run. And that is a success. So it knocks out the track. It does knock out the track. Um, I will make you an offer, Waltz. As you approach, you're, of course, feeling the adrenaline and the the slight panic of too fast, too fast, you're going to get pancaked. And then you get a moment where it feels like, no, this is too fast. I I am going to get hurt if I don't pull back now. All of this is happening within fractions of seconds. So my offer to you is this. You can either get three spots on the track, or you take a slam. I think I go ahead with the slam. Okay. But I am going to nope it. Okay. I'm guessing the, the slam was, it, by the way you were leading up to it, it's some sort of emotional, fraught anxiety in this moment kind of thing. Uh, I think you were actually just going to land really hard. Oh, okay, well. Just before it happens, uh, Wool is having these moments and he's thinking about, do I bail? Do I shorten the, the thing? And he feels Carcinikin's forelegs kind of grip a little tighter around him. And he knows that he's going to make it. He knows the two of them are going to get through it and it's going to be okay. So I will take the extra trouble to note that. Uh, and just just right before they're about to hit that ground, uh, Karsidikin calls out, Buoyant Basin! And that's when the inertial vortex hits and everything slows down right around. Maybe there was like somebody else had, like dropped a cup or something. We see all these other things in the air just sort of <laughs> slow and swine down around them. And out of that, after the force, uh, the force expands to slow everything, Karsinikin uh, aims both claws downward and shoots a huge foam jet to rocket them back up. Amazing. What you hear when you are rocketing back up, at first, it's dead silence. And later, Wanda would tell you that they had all said nine and then nothing had happened and everyone was waiting. (laughs) And then... You shoot up over the platform and cheers erupt so loudly throughout the space, through the catwalk. It's bouncing off the walls so many meters away and then bouncing back at you. Uh, And you manage to land on the catwalk and immediately (laughs) everyone moves like they're about to all like team up and group hug you and then immediately everyone's like oh god we're on a narrow catwalk so high up in the air this is a bad idea 
Uh, so they actually like quickly like pull you into the place and then push you up and now you're crowd surfing. <laughs> uh, congratulations, I'm pulling off this very cool trick. We got to move, uh, and Maeve would like to use uh, a new ability that I just unlocked uh, recently. Uh, flash patterns. Roll to blind, daze, confuse, entrance, or cause seizures in targets that can see your jacket. Uh, I want to just, like, set off a giant strobe, a big flash of light, because okay. I get the vibe. We don't know what these vampires are all about and how they compare to vampires we might know, um, but I get the vibe they don't like light. They've got a nest. They're in a castle. It's dark. I feel like light is maybe bad, so she's just gonna uh, set off a big burst and kind of motion for a team to like, cover your eyes and get ready to run. Uh, I am going to use uh, D6 from a jacket, D6 from an attitude, kick from a jacket. I am doing a trick, if all goes well. Um, May I ask what you are intending to do with the kick? So my my main play here is to Flash of light, daze the vampires so that we have a chance to rush past them. With the kick, uh, I would love to try and grab Trev 4 as we go by. Uh, yeah, that works for me. Would you like to add another kick for an additional effect that I will reveal should you succeed? Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's dance. Why not? All right. I have 3d6 on this so far. Yes. Uh, this feels like a big play. Should I take one from the from the hype pool? Sure, you can refill it. Yeah. All right, 46. We got a six. We got a six, baby. Let's describe this maneuver. Uh, yeah, Maeve, as I said, motions to the crew uh, to you know shield your eyes and get ready to run. Punches something into the sleeve of her jacket, uh, slams her, her fist down, uh, and the whole jacket just like begins to glow uh, like faintly at first, but then really rapidly gets brighter and brighter in like a big strobe burst. Um, how does this affect these vampires? They do drop Trev 4. Yeah. So you are able to uh, retrieve him and rush past the vampires into the castle if you so desire. Um, they like, they recoil from the light kind they of They recoil from the light, they stagger back, and for the briefest moment, you, Maybelline, see the illusion drop. Ooh. And instead of whatever facsimile of humanoids that bear characteristics of familiar people, it all disappears, and you see a much more insect-like creature. Uh, they have sort of rounded off triangular heads with big, deep red eyes, no mouth, uh, spidery-like legs, no arms that you can see. It almost looks like they have like a rib cage joined together with joints just wrapping around their upper bodies. Uh, and, and you don't know how you can tell this because you don't know how these things express emotion, but you think they might be a little bit chapped. 
Uh, so Maeve, as we're rushing by, uh, grabs Trev for by uh, one arm by one of his heavy-duty servoed arms, mm-hmm. uh, and is like, "Time to go, Trev. Uh, these these are these are them. These are the vamps." Indeed. Uh, and sort of, yeah, trailing behind her. I, I'm assuming you, you know, rocket knees engage and you catch up with the rest of us, and we all go shooting past these vampires and deeper into the castle. Fantastic. Uh, these vampires, for the time being, are incapacitated. You have successfully made it into the castle. Trev, you've got a lock on the energy signature that will presumably lead you to Mondo. Mm-hmm. And so the search begins. Mm-hmm.